Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. And thank you, everyone. It's great to be joining you today in your lounge room or your, uh, your study, uh, your yard, wherever you are watching. It is great to have you here. Everyone who comes to Gateway is really welcome. And this morning as we start this new series, as Derek mentioned, I thought that I would take you on a short stroll through history. In June 1967, the world was in a pretty dark place. Tensions between the East and the West were simmering and thousands of people were losing their lives, not in a pandemic, but in the Vietnam War. Riots in the US became commonplace as relationships between black people and the police force came under heavy scrutiny. Elsewhere, there were protests on the street of Hong Kong. There was unrest across South America and Asia and skirmishes in the Middle East. It all sounds pretty familiar doesn't it? But in the midst of a year where the world felt like it was falling to pieces, the first ever live international television production was broadcast around the world. This two-hour event featured artists from over 19 different countries, and it was watched by a then record of almost half a billion people. And this production called Our World is mostly remembered for the song that was performed by a British group called The Beatles. You may have heard of them. And into a a broken, dark and hurting world, they sang a song that became an anthem. And a song that is still instantly familiar more than 50 years later. And they sang this. All you need is love. All you need is love. Come on, sing it with me. All you need is love, love. Love is all you need. See, you did know it. Give yourself a round of applause. Well done. Well done. Over the last few years, we've been reminded again how much our world needs love. Many of the issues that the world faced in 1967 are now being tackled by a different generation. Political unrest is still commonplace across many parts of the world. Racial tensions simmer across the West. Border skirmishes and cyber warfare now indicate that peace is uncertain. And a virus is fracturing societies and destroying lives and livelihoods. In a time of uncertainty and pain, division and heartache, our world continues to cry out for a love that solves its problems and brings healing. All you need is love. It sounds so simple, yet we find it so difficult to love. Love doesn't always come naturally, and sometimes we just don't know how to truly love. So over the next few weeks, together we're going to explore what kind of love the world actually needs. What kind of love our community needs, and what kind of love our our neighbours and our family need. And to help us, we're going to turn to the writings of another Paul, not Paul McCartney, but the Apostle Paul, who almost two full millennia ago penned some of the most memorable words about love that have ever been written. 
In his letter to the church at Corinth, he wrote that love is the greatest virtue we can find. And he paints a comprehensive picture of what love is and what love isn't. According to Paul, love isn't an emotion or a a feeling. It's a committed act of the will. It's about choosing to do certain things and choosing not to do certain other things. Ultimately, love is truly and fully realized in the one who is perfect in love, Jesus. And if we follow the way that Jesus has shown us to walk, we'll find out that his love never fails. This morning, we're going to open the word to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And you might not even need to open your Bible for this because these words are so well known. Let me read from uh, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's going to be the text for our series over the next three weeks. But today, we're going to narrow in on one particular aspect of that love. One particular aspect that is actually quite challenging for us all. Paul writes that this love that is patient and kind, this love that protects, hopes and perseveres, this love that never fails, he says that this love is not self-seeking. Other translations of Paul's original Greek language say that love doesn't demand its own way and love does not seek its own. And love isn't always me first. The contemporary English version of the Bible puts it simplest when it says love isn't selfish. It's pretty clear exactly what Paul is saying here. That the love that we are called to is is a love that is not selfish. It is a love that chooses to put others first. Now, I don't know about you, but I can find that pretty difficult at times, if I'm honest. You just need to ask my wife, Lauren, and she'll tell you that I certainly don't have a perfect track record in putting others first. But why? Why is it so difficult? If love is all you need, why do we find it so hard to actually do? Jesus had to constantly remind his followers to love one another. Why is it so hard to love others and put them first? Well, the reason is because each and every one of us naturally places our own interests before others. Putting ourselves first is our first instinct. We are infected with this disease of selfishness, of putting others before ourselves, of acting in our own self-interests. Unfortunately, this is the root of the human condition of sin. Our pride Our rebellion, our selfishness means that our default in life is to see life through the lens of self first. And this self first, it's not just an individual mentality. It affects us all. The father of modern economics, a guy by the name of Adam Smith, he based his entire theory about how economies run on the principle of self-interest. In his classic work, Wealth of Nations, written in the 1700s, Smith theorized that the best economic benefit for all 
is actually accomplished when individuals act in their own self-interest. He wrote this, It is not from the benevolence of the butcher, the brewer, or the baker that we expect our dinner, but from their regard to their own self-interest. We address ourselves not to their humanity, but to their self-love, and never talk to them of our necessities, but of their advantages. Adam Smith realized that we filter our decisions through the lens of self first. And we see this played out in our share markets and our supermarkets. We see it in our responses to things that happen in our lives. And when a fatal car accident causes a traffic jam, we get upset that our commute home is delayed. When the weather brings much needed rain to a parched land, we become angry that we left our umbrella at home. And when our family wants to go to a bike ride, we get frustrated because the footy's on. Saxon, 105 this afternoon. That's my son. Sadly, because of our brokenness, because of our sinful nature, our default is to see life through the lens of self first. But Paul tells us that this is not the way of love. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not selfish. Love is not always me first. We cannot love if we continue to live through the lens of self first. You see, Jesus spent a lot of time talking about love and what it looked like. When asked by his followers what the most important commandment in life was, he said simply, love God with all you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Even in his final hours before being arrested, falsely trialed and then executed, Jesus taught his followers the importance and the quality of love. John records Jesus saying this in his gospel. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. In the space of these few sentences, Jesus commands his followers to love one another three times. Jesus says to those around him, follow me, copy me, imitate me. I have loved you and now I'm calling you to go and love others. And in this passage, Jesus tells us what lies at the root of love. He says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. See, at the heart of love, there is a sacrifice involved. A laying down of your life for the interests of others. This is what love is. Love is putting down our own desires, letting go of what we want so that others can receive, so that others can benefit before we do. And love requires us to admit our selfishness and exchange it for sacrifice. And Jesus didn't just tell his followers to love others in a sacrificial way. He showed them and he showed us the greatest example of sacrificial love found in history. Jesus laid down his own comforts, his own position and his own status to walk amongst his creation in humility and service. Paul puts it this way 
in Philippians 2 when he's talking about Jesus. Who, he says, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus certainly didn't live his life through the filter of lens of, of, of self first. As God, he was the creator of the world and had incredible power at his fingertips. Yet he laid all of this down and took on the humble nature of a servant. He came to serve rather than be served. And he did so in the most incredible way. He noticed the individuals. He touched the untouchables. He cared for the misfits and the outcasts. And as he wandered on earth, he showed what it meant to sacrificially love, to let one let go of one's desires and put others first. And then just in case we didn't get it from his words and his actions, he literally laid his life down for us by dying for the forgiveness of our sins. Love is no more powerfully shown than in the image of an innocent Jesus hanging beaten, bloodied and naked on a rugged Roman cross. Jesus shows us what radical, sacrificial love is. So if we are to love as Jesus commanded us, we have to exchange our selfishness for sacrifice. We have to put death, we have to put to death our pride and put others' interests before our own. We have to lay down our desires so that others can receive. See, there's an exchange that happens when we choose to love. Tim Keller, a pastor and author in New York, wrote a best-selling book called The Reason for God. And in it, he talks about this exchange that happens when we love. He says this, It is impossible to love people with a problem or a need without in some sense sharing or even changing places with them. All real life-changing love involves some form of this kind of exchange. An example of this is the, just the other day. I came home with a, a list of tasks that I wanted to accomplish. But one of my kids, and I won't say which one, they were in a particularly awful mood. Now, as they let their tantrum fly, I realized that they needed some time with their dad. And in that moment, my plans went out the window and my agenda became their agenda. Instead of attending to my list of tasks, I simply asked them what they wanted to do. I sat down with them and played Lego with them, just trying to connect with them, show them that I cared and try and have a chat. I laid down my plans for the plans of my child. And as they experienced love, they opened up and they began talking about what was going on for them. And this is the exchange that takes place when we exchange selfishness for sacrifice. I see this exchange in other ways too. My wife, Laurie, she's our young adults pastor here at Mackenzie, and she's had an incredible love for people ever since I've known her. She's got an amazing capacity to love people. I've seen her take the time out to sit and talk and minister to a bunch of young adults, young adults who are emotionally wounded, who just need being, receiving some blessing. And Laurie 
knows what words to say. She, she knows prayers to offer. And as she takes the time and the effort to invest in people, their tank is filled. Yet that comes at a cost for Laurie. Her own emotional, emotional tank is depleted somewhat as that exchange takes place. As Tim Keller says, her sacrificial love means that she shares and even changes places with the person that she's investing in. There is a cost to love. Love requires us to forego our own comfort, requires us to forego our own preferences and our desires for the sake of others. Love calls us to exchange our selfishness for sacrifice. But what a powerful difference this kind of love actually makes. Throughout this Love Never Fails series, we're going to be hearing some stories of people who are living these lives of love. And as I began thinking about who embodies the exchange of selfishness for sacrifice, I couldn't go past my own parents. See, my mom and dad had three boys. They had to put up with me, their eldest. But my brother Steve was born about 18 months after myself. And then four years later, my brother Jono, Jonathan or Johnny, whatever we choose to call him in the day, he came into our world. But when he was born, he was born with one extra chromosome in his DNA, meaning that he was born with Down syndrome. So for 34 years, my mom and dad have made countless sacrifices as they've loved and cared for all of us boys, but particularly my brother, who had a lot of needs growing up and today is still nonverbal. I caught up with mum and dad earlier in the week and I asked them to share their story. Check it out. Well, mum and dad, thanks so much for being willing to come and chat today. It's great to have you back at Gateway in a way. I know it's been about 15 years since uh, you guys have left Gateway to come down to New South Wales. So it's great to have you back today. Thanks, Tim. Good to be here. Love to talk today a little bit about Jono, a beautiful brother that I have, your son, and uh, the journey that you have taken with him over the last 34 years. So let's start at the beginning. How did you feel when you found out that Jono had Down syndrome? Two, after, two hours after he was born, it was a huge shock. I felt very sad, very disappointed. But it's been an incredible journey. It, it really took us a week to accept the fact that he had Down syndrome and was going to be different to other kids. I, I had no idea when he was born what Down syndrome actually was. But that journey that we started, uh, it's been a long one, but today he's full of love and he will, we'd do anything for him because mm. we just love him so much. It's mm, good. I remember when he was born, I was six years of age, and I can also remember very early on there was a lot of time in hospital. How did that weigh on you in those early years? That time was really hard. I was starting my own business. You guys were starting school. I was getting used to doing school duties, as was mum. And then we also had to take Jono off to all the medical appointments, etc. And life was just very, very busy and full on. Yes, we had to put in a lot of early interventions so that he could learn to crawl, learn to sit, learn to walk, all of that sort of thing that comes naturally to other children. We had to guide him and... and uh, put a lot of effort in. So that was that was a huge demand on, on our time, really. So he required a lot of early development, didn't he? And actually really investment in his whole life. Um, and parenting 
requires sacrifice. It comes with the job description. But tell us some of the, probably the extra sacrifices that you guys had to make for Jono. Well, I chose not to work, of course, and I was happy to uh, uh, look after the family and spend time with them. But John really took the lion's share of the time. So you guys tended to miss out a bit, Tim. Sorry about that. Uh, but by the same token, you and Stephen, of course, helped as well. And you could see that what you could put in was also helping me and helping John as well. So that was great. Even when we moved to Brisbane, um, it took a long time for John to settle in and he started to get uh, a bit more capable of what he could do and one of the things he learned to do was wander off and I'm sure you'll remember the time you got a phone call saying do you know where John John uh, Lucas and we had lost him at South Bank and miraculously he'd walked into this shop and uh, somehow they found your number. Somehow they got my number that was hilarious I remember calling you guys saying have you lost Jono again? <laughs> we lost him at a campsite we lost him in a, a Shopping centre, we lost him on at the end of a bus line. You weren't that, they weren't that bad parents, just letting, letting you know. <laughs> uh, but Jono now, 34 years of age, lives in his own unit in supported accommodation. He's uh, got a job at the Byron Bay Herb Nursery and he seems to be having the time of his life. He still requires you guys and I know you guys put a lot of effort into his affairs. But uh, after all those sacrifices you've made, how have you found God has encouraged you and what's the outcome been? Considering the challenges he's faced, he's really healthy at 34. Uh, he's very happy in his environment. He's got friends. He's got a social life. And he's able to make a, a really good contribution at his workplace. They love him uh, down at his house and uh, they describe him as a shining light. And I see that that's the reflection of, of God's love through Jono um, to other people. Mm. Through all the sacrifices, mm. they've certainly all paid off, Tim, the sacrifices, and uh, he's a walking answer to prayer because he's had so many people praying for him ever since he was born, so many people putting in to him, and um, without all that intervention and without all that prayer, I don't think he'd be here. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Mum and Dad. Back to you, Tim. Well, thanks, Tim. Hey, can you thank my mum and dad, David and Denise, in the chat? They uh, took some time out. Just, uh, just punch the love heart or just say thanks in the chat for getting them to share their story with us today. They've done an incredible job as parents and they have modelled sacrificial love for our family so well. The scripture itself challenges us not to merely listen to the word of God, but to do what it says. So how can we live a life that exchanges selfishness for sacrifice? How can we share a sacrificial love towards those we live, laugh and work with? Well, in many ways, loving sacrificially is like a muscle that needs to get used more often to become stronger. In all honesty, for me, outside a leisurely walk or a bike ride, I've done very little exercise in the three months of lockdown. And so last week, I foolishly agreed with a friend to do one of those 45-minute CrossFit workouts. And after doing a whole stack of push-ups and crunches and burpees, which I think are from the devil, and a whole bunch of other torturous activities, for the next few days, I could barely walk. My legs were so sore. I discovered muscles that I'd forgotten that I had. 
And every time I sat down and stood up again, pain would shoot through my hamstrings. But I also know that the more I really work those muscles, the more they become accustomed to working out, the stronger they become. And it's the same with sacrificial love. It can hurt to put others before yourself, especially if you're not used to it. Because our default position is to go through life with a lens of self first. And so we have to exercise that sacrificial muscle more and more to become better and better at following Jesus' commands to love one another and laying our lives down for them. And yet this sacrifice, showing true love, it has the power to radically transform relationships. I wonder how your relationships with your kids would look different if you chose to put their needs ahead of your own more often. What would your marriage look like if you more regularly served your spouse and made sure their needs were being met rather than demanding yours always be met? How could admitting your selfishness and imitating Christ's sacrifice change your work environment or your social group? As we enter into the school holidays, I want to challenge you this week to look for opportunities to exchange selfishness for sacrifice. Choose to put others before yourself. Acknowledge your selfishness and decide, make the choice to imitate Christ's sacrifice. One of the simplest ways that you can do this is to ask a, a very basic question. And that question is this, what do you need from me right now? What do you need from me right now? Uh, a word of warning before you start asking that question. It's a dangerous question to ask. You'd better, you'd better be ready to put the answer into action. Don't ask, what do you need from me right now? If you've got no intention of actually doing what the other person responds. But using that question and following through on the answer will exercise that muscle of selfishness over sacrifice. Uh, will exercise that muscle of sacrifice, I should say, over selfishness. As soon as you ask that question, what do you need from me right now? You are starting to put selfishness to the sword. If you ask your kids, what do you need from me right now? It's likely that your plans are going to go out the window. If you ask your spouse, what do you need from me right now? It's probable that what they need is not going to match what you want. And when you ask that question, what do you need from me right now? It will mean that whatever is currently on your agenda will likely get dropped. But when you ask that question, just notice what happens to you. You're starting to exercise that muscle of sacrificial love. You're starting to exchange selfishness for sacrifice. And you're starting to live out Jesus' commands for your life. The Beatles sang that the world in 1967 needed love. And 53 years later, it still needs love today. There are many complex global issues that our world is wrestling through at the moment. But you can make a difference in our little part of the world by practically showing sacrificial love. As our society continues to open up and we connect with more and more people, we have an opportunity to share Christ's love more broadly, more broadly beyond those that are just closest to us. So I want to give you one other simple challenge over the school holidays. More than just asking what do you need from me right now, which is really important for those who are closest to you. 
I want to give you an extra challenge. Something small, something simple, but something that can re-energize sacrificial love. I want to ask you how you can exchange selfishness for sacrifice using one of these. A $5 note. I want to challenge you with a $5 challenge. I want to ask you to set aside $5 in your wallet or $5 in your bank account and just be ready to bless someone in a practical, random act of kindness. There are some really simple ways to do this. Perhaps when you buy your morning coffee, pay for the next person behind you as well. Or maybe you could offer to take someone out for coffee, spend the five bucks on them and give them the gift of time as you catch up with them and see how they've been traveling. Alternatively, you could buy a a card for five bucks, fill in some encouragement and send it off to someone just to bless them. Take some time out as a sacrifice and share love with someone else. Or you could find a really simple way to serve. Use that $5 note just to to buy a pair of garden gloves and help a neighbour clean up their yard. See, as society begins to come back and ramp up as the restrictions ease, I want to encourage you to let go of your your selfishness and model Christ's sacrifice. Start with five bucks. See what God does through your sacrifice. See, a love that is not selfish is a love that focuses on serving those around us and putting their interests above our own. Today, as we finish, I want to give you an opportunity to accept the most perfect act of love, to receive the gift of Christ's sacrifice for you. See, Jesus came to this earth fully man and fully God, the literal embodiment of God's love. After modeling and showing his followers what it meant to love, Jesus was betrayed by one of his friends, was turned over to the ruling authorities. They deemed Jesus a threat. This message of God's love and acceptance was too radical for them to accept. And so they ended up executing Jesus on the cross. As he was ridiculed and mocked, Jesus bore the punishment for all of your and my wrongdoings. As he hung on the cross, he took on the sins of the world. As he breathed his last, Jesus opened a way for us to be forgiven for all of our mistakes and missteps. See, Jesus sacrificed his life for us, for you and for me. Because of his great love for us, he died for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And it didn't end there. On the third day, Jesus was resurrected to life. All power and authority in heaven and on earth was his. Not even the grave could hold him back. Victoriously, he rose again and ascended to heaven to be seated at the right hand of God. And today he invites you to accept his sacrifice. He invites you to put your trust in Him so that your sins can be forgiven. You can be welcomed into God's family and you can have an eternal life in God's presence. Jesus is offering you an invitation today and all you need to do is accept it. Today, if you'd like to say yes 
to Jesus. If you'd like to accept Jesus' invitation of forgiveness and His promise of new life, all you need to do is just say yes to Him. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And I'd love to extend an opportunity to you this morning. I'd love to lead you in a prayer just accepting God's love, accepting that truth. And I'd love to invite you to pray along with me. So right now, wherever you're watching from this morning, if you want to accept Jesus' love and His gift of grace, would you pray these words that will appear on your screen along with me? Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I have done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I turn from everything that I know is wrong and I choose to follow you. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and promise me new life. Please come into my life so I can know your power and your grace forever. Amen. Amen. I'd love to encourage you. If you've prayed that prayer, can you hit the the love, hit, hit the, the little commitment button that will come up in the chat on your screen? We would love to know that you prayed that prayer and we'd love to encourage you to fill in a Get Connected uh, form online so that we can connect with you and help you take those next steps in your journey with Jesus. It's so exciting that you've made that decision today. But as we close this morning, we're going to sing a song that, uh, that just uh, declares our willingness to, to love, to follow Jesus for the sake of the world. I want to encourage you this week, these school holidays, to let go of selfishness and take up sacrifice, to share love with others in your family, in your community, in your workplace, and in your part of the world. Let's sing this song together for the sake of the world.
Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Pray that you've been blessed and encouraged. And I pray that you head out from here, being able to live a life of sacrifice over selfishness. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you online next Sunday at 8 and 10 a.m. God bless you. Have a good one. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you in your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.